0: It is Encounter with God Time here on The Breakfast Show. A most exciting Bible study to get stuck into this morning before we do. We're going to have the 400 point question for our quiz, and Lawson's going to bring it to you. All right, for 400 points in 2 Kings chapter 6, with what did God smite the Assyrian host? Okay, if you know the answer, the number to call is 0491 064 That question again? And the question was uh, in 2 Kings and verse 6.
1: Uh sorry, in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh with what did God smite the Assyrian host? If you know the answer, again that number is 0491064669 for 3 uh for 400 points. Sorry. You can win a book from our selection of bargain books or get your points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. We also want to remind you guys and and let you know, um look, if you're a Bible student, if you say you're a Christian, you attend church weekly, um we encourage you to really answer these questions off the the power of your brain and memory. You know, try and work it out. Um, But if you're not, if you're new to the Bible, if you're you're unsure about where these questions come from or these stories, we encourage you, look it up, get the answer correct. But again, finally, that question was in 2 Kings chapter 6, with what did God smite the Assyrian host?
0: Okay. All right. We should get into our text messages. We've got a few text messages coming through here. Uh, Let me see what we have. Apart from one roasting Lawson and telling him that he needs to get an education. Uh, let me see here. What do we got? What do you got? Where do we got? Uh, the best countries. That was very interesting. Surprising results. You just yeah, never know. That's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Pat Robertson believes that Israel is the focus of the last days. Unfortunately, so do most major Christian denominations. That is why they don't want to point to the papacy and the Pope Ooh. is the Antichrist. Someone's coming right out with it. Um, in fact, they wanted to give Israel to the Pope. Amazing thing is they are Protestants who have forgotten their roots and what reformers taught about the Pope. Unfortunately, this theological belief controls the foreign affairs policy of the US, which is controlled by the Jesuits. Well, don't hold back. Wow. Uh-huh. This is connecting the here's dots. The thing. Here's the thing, here's the thing, Let me Let me just say this. If you want to find out who the – if you want to know what the Bible says, uh-huh. if you want to know what the Bible uh-huh. says about who the Antichrist is, uh, give us a call right here, 0491 and I'll send you a Bible study. It's called the Prophetic Code Series. Mm-hmm. And as a part of that series, you're going to study who the Antichrist is mm. from what the Bible says using principles of prophetic interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, that way you don't have to just sort of read the newspaper and like, oh, I think it fits there. Looks like, feels like yeah. principles of interpretation. Mm. Uh, so. Sometimes, you know, and this is this is one of the interesting things, you know, with the, the looks like, feels like, you know, you've got Gog and the and, and Gog is sometimes referred to as the Prince of Rosh.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And so people go, like, oh, that must be Russia. <laughs> and, and and then you've got Gog allies with uh, Togama. Uh-huh. Well, that sounds a little bit like Turkey, so we reckon that where, that's where that one goes. Oh, it's
1: Russia and Turkey. It's Russia and Turkey. And that's like, you know, people jump into like Daniel chapter 7 and they're like... Oh, it's it's a bear. That's that's Russia, Russia. and it's, it's a leopard. <laughs> that's Germany because they make leopard tanks. And that's and that's a lion. Is is it Africa? <laughs> like, it's just, England. England, yeah,
0: okay. Lots of lions in England. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that is not how you interpret prophecy, mm. my friends. You interpret prophecy using principles of prophetic interpretation mm. that the Bible gives you those principles. Yes. Mm -hmm. Once you've got those principles established, then you can bring those principles to bear on any prophetic passage, Mm -hmm. and it will always be consistent, and you will never end up with egg on your face, and you'll never end up changing what you say about Bible prophecy. That's right. All right. Text message. Sometimes it really feels the world is falling apart with wars and floods and suffering all around us. It seems that the way to survive is to help those less fortunate around us. Mm. Really well said. Okay, let us pray for those going through these problems in the current floods in Australia and the war in the Ukraine. Let's not forget the part the devil has in all of this. The Lord will come; will soon come and save us soon. The Lord will come and save us soon. Amen. Keep faithful to the end. Mm. Praise God. Absolutely. Great text messages right there. Love hearing from you guys. Uh, would love to hear more from you guys if uh, you want to participate in the quiz. Um, or if you want to share us your thoughts, particularly on Daniel and on, on Hebrews nine, mm-hmm. I have a really bad feeling we're not going to make it all the way through Hebrews nine. But anyway, we have a couple more days. We do. Mm-hmm. There's so much in it, mm-hmm. so much cool stuff that I want to get stuck into. Anyway, so let's go to Hebrews chapter nine, and today we're going to study about Hagia Ta Hagia Hagia Hagion.
1: Oh, I love it. Yes. It's literally my favorite genre of stuff. <laughs> my favorite topic to
0: jump into. Okay, so here's the thing I very, very rarely get involved in Greek. Uh-huh. And the reason being is because, you know, the Word of God is available to us in English, so mm-hmm. we don't really need, you don't need to have a degree in Greek to understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, you know, theologians love to, like, oh, you can't really understand the Bible unless you know how to read Greek and Hebrew. No. Mm. The Bible is available to every human being, uh, pretty much in every human being in their own language, and God's message is clear. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to Hebrews chapter 9, this is the one area in which translators, of the, it's probably the only area in the Bible in which translators of the Bible, their brains just turn to mush. Mm. Because there is so much depth in Hebrews chapter 9, they don't know which way to jump. Mm and they they start by missing the fact that Paul makes this blunder in the first five verses where he puts the altar of incense in the most holy place. Mm. And they see that as being a blunder, like, oh, that's a mistake, but, well, it's in the original manuscripts, so... We can't change it, but that must have crept in there somewhere when somebody made a scribal error. Mm. No, that is not a scribal error that somebody made in the past. Paul specifically put it there because he wanted to point out that judgment takes place before the return of Christ.
1: Mm.
0: Okay, so if you work under the assumption that judgment does not take place before the return of Christ, that judgment takes place either after Jesus comes back or at the time of death or it all happened at the cross or whatever, then you, Hebrews 9 is not going to make any sense. Mm. You know, you, you've, got, you've got the altar of incense in the wrong place to begin with and then it just goes downhill from there. Mm. And so here's what you're going to find. You're going to find in Hebrews 9 a whole bunch of French references to the sanctuary, to the temple, to the tabernacle.
1: Mm.
0: And the way that it speaks about it is either as tahagia or hagia hagion or just hagia. And that simply means Holy. So tahagia means the holies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Plural. Now why would why would the Bible call the sanctuary the holies? Plural. Well, there is a holy place and a most holy place. Yeah. And so uh, you've you got two of them. Yeah, uh, That's right. <laughs> okay, so when the Bible uses the word tahagia, that simply it simply uh, means the sanctuary. Yes. Both the holy place and the most holy place. It's a generic term for the sanctuary. It's not specifying the holy place, or the most holy place, mm-hmm. it is specifying the whole sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Then you find that um, you will find places where it says Hagia Hagion, and that simply translates as holy holies. Mm-hmm. What part of the sanctuary can that might be?
1: Well, If it's holy holies, then it's not just
0: holies. So I would say it's like the most holy place. It's the most holy place. Uh-huh. Absolutely. You've got two holies, that makes it doubly holy. Mm-hmm. And then you have just plain old... Hagia, holy. It's probably just
1: holy place. Yeah, that's
0: a yeah. holy place. Yeah. All right, so why don't you read for me uh, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 8. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse
1: 8, the Bible says, By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented
0: were still used. Okay, so here's the interesting thought. The Bible is talking about it wasn't open while the sanctuary on earth mm-hmm. was still in use. Mm-hmm. But what is opened as soon as the one on earth comes to an end, the, the service of the one on earth comes to an end, according to your translation?
1: The most holy place.
0: The most holy place, which would imply that as soon as the one comes to an, the, the service of the one comes to an end here on this earth, uh-huh. when Jesus dies on Calvary, where does he go?
1: He goes to the most, most holy place.
0: Yeah. Except the Bible doesn't say that. Your Bible says that.
1: but uh-huh. The
0: Bible doesn't say that. Uh huh. Because if it was going to say that, it would have to be translated from Hagia Hagion.
1: Okay. So what, Holy, holy. So what does it say? Tahagia. Just the sanctuary. The sanctuary. Okay.
0: I read it from my translation. Mine's just as bad. Uh, in verse 8, it says, The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing.
1: But that's not what the Greek says. But that's
0: not what the Bible says either. Yeah, that's not what the Greek says. So this is one of the very few places in the Bible where I will delve into Greek because it's important. And when you de- when you delve into it and you get the, and you get the sanctuary right, it is so amazing.
1: You're listening to Faith FM, Positively Different Radio by what you're saying then because a lot of people want to make the point that oh judgment doesn't, doesn't didn't happen on this earth like it doesn't happen now like it happens at the end um but if we if this is to be believed then judgment started as soon as Jesus resurrected yes where we've been judged ever since
0: yes so and a lot of people teach that as well
1: yeah. Okay.
0: So there's a bunch of people that teach you know, judgment. Judgment happened at the cross. Uh-huh. Jesus went straight into the most holy place. Judgment has happened. Uh-huh. Then you have those who say, that well, no, judgment happens when you die. Uh-huh. And so it's been happening since the cross. Uh-huh. And then you have those who say, well, judgment doesn't happen until everybody stands before Christ after the second coming. So there's kind of three different views of the judgment, none of which are upheld in Hebrews chapter 9. Mm. Wow. Hebrews chapter 9 upholds a judgment that happens sometime before the return of Jesus yeah, and that it is necessary that while the judgment happens, that intercession continues. Mm. That's what Hebrews chapter 9 details for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if we go to, to verse 8 again and we simply read it like this, the Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the sanctuary was not made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. That kind of makes sense. Yep. Because when Jesus finished his work here on earth, he went into the sanctuary. Yeah,
1: he could only be in the sanctuary working as the high priest after the sacrifice had been made.
0: That's right, because he has to carry blood in there mm. and he carries his own blood there because he was the one who died. Mm. So it makes perfect sense when you actually read it with using the original Greek mm. um, of the sanctuary. And this is one of the reasons why I've had so many people that have come to me like, oh, you know, you just, 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 just read Hebrews chapter 9 and, and, and the pre event judgment is, is, is gone out the window. I'm like, yeah, actually, well, you read Hebrews
1: chapter that's right. 9. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right. You read Hebrews chapter 9. Put the Greek in there.
1: And but I feel like we've been having this experience all the way through the book of Hebrews. Like, people are like, see, the old covenant's the law. You read it in Hebrews 8. And it's like, no, you read yeah, Hebrews 8. <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, yeah. see the judgment, the pre Advent judgment kind of? No, you read Hebrews chapter 9. This is awesome. <laughs> I love it.
0: Uh, dear. All right. Uh, let's continue on then, and well, mm-hmm. let's read verse. We're gonna we're gonna pick out a few a few uh, key thoughts here. Read for me verse twelve. In verse twelve, the Bible says, "With his own
1: blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all, and secured our redemption forever."
0: Okay, so where where best does your Bible say that Jesus went? The most holy place, and and. You know, this is an interesting one here because the Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't? Let's think about the implications of of verse 12 Mm -hmm. if your translation is correct. Uh huh. Uh, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, Mm -hmm. he entered into the most holy place. Uh Okay. Uh, My translation says the uh, exact opposite of yours, and my translation is just as wrong as yours. What does yours say? The holy place. Huh. Yours says the most holy, mine says the holy. Neither is correct. Why? It's actually tahagia, the sanctuary. The sanctuary. Okay. Okay, so if your translation is correct, then what happens is that Jesus, when he dies, Mm -hmm. takes his blood Mm -hmm. straight into the most holy place and obtains redemption for us. Mm -hmm. If my translation is correct, he takes his blood straight into the holy place Uh and obtains redemption for us there. Uh Uh-huh whereas what the Bible actually says, it just says he went into the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So neither translation is correct, the location is correct in mine, but the translation is not. Mm. And it simply says, you know, uh, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, Jesus entered in once into the sanctuary. That makes sense. Mm. Uh, Because that means that... It includes both apartments, the holy place, and the most holy place. And it points out that both of those apartments are necessary to the process of redemption. Yeah, he's doing a complete work. That's right. Because if
1: it makes the point that... It's not
0: just intercession. Yeah. Redemption includes judgment as well. Yeah. It includes the blotting out of sins. Uh It includes the most holy Uh place. So yours cuts out the holy place, Yeah, intercession mine cuts out the most holy place judgment mm-hmm. the greek puts both of them in there because paul knew exactly what he was saying yeah the, and you need both of them because like yes. like if we want to make
1: the point like ah, oh, the judgment finished at the cross it's straight to the most holy place well then it's like what so, so we did nothing in in the holy place like he didn't intercede for us the place he, becomes worthless it's like what's pointless what's the point just walk through he just he's <laughs> just like oh see you later yeah. yeah, wow, okay. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. This is why I say, okay, read for me verse 25. In verse 25, the Bible says, And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again like the high priest here on earth who enters the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal.
0: Okay, so your translation says that he went into the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. Mm-hmm. And that's actually Cor- correct in what happens, but an incorrect translation. Ah, okay. Because it points out the yearly sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And in the yearly sacrifice, Jesus goes into, sorry, the high priest goes into the holy place, the most holy place, sorry. Mm-hmm. Notice here, in my, my translation is the complete opposite of yours. Mm-hmm. And they're both just as confusing verse 25 nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with the blood of others okay now he went into the holy place every day with the blood yeah. of others and every year he went into the most holy place mm. but the actual translation once again is simply the sanctuary mm. So here in verse 25, Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the sanctuary every year with the blood of others. Mm. And by using the word sanctuary here, Paul includes the whole sanctuary, includes Mm. the whole plan of salvation, Mm. and includes the fact that we have... um, we, we we have here somebody who is who understands exactly what is going on. All right, we've got uh Bruce joining us here on the phone. Uh Bruce would like to have something to say. Bruce, welcome to the show. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking about what you're talking about, the sanctuary, and in first John one nine it says we if we confess our sins, so we come and confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive. That's the first apartment, and cleanse is the second apartment. Oh nice. Mm yeah absolutely so you've got the complete picture of uh redemption right there holy place and most holy place yep fantastic thank you for calling through and sharing that with us Bruce we always love to hear from our listeners and if you've got some thoughts that you'd like to share our number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine i've never looked at first John chapter one uh verse nine it's like one of those famous verses mm-hmm. like it's it's second in the Bible to john three sixteen yeah um and uh maybe romans six twenty three but oh, you know you know jeremiah twenty nine eleven,
1: yeah, just one one, John one one
0: yeah, these are these are these are like the most, but I've never ever seen the two apartment mm. service that you've got and the completeness of the plan of redemption in first John one nine like that. Mm. Really, really good thought. fantastic stuff, okay. Uh, where are we up to? We are up to... We were, well, we're reading verse 25. That's right. And we right. were discussing how Paul has such a good grasp of the sanctuary system and the pre-advent mm. judgment, and it's all the way through here. Okay, so we us skip ahead here a little bit uh, through our verses just to illustrate how that uh, the Greek can help us out in understanding this passage. Now let's go back to verse 8 and 9. So verse 8 and 9. And I want you to read verse 8 as the
1: sanctuary. The sanctuary, Okay. okay. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the sanctuary was not freely open as long as the tabernacle uh, and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who bring them.
0: Okay. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit yesterday, so we won't spend a lot of time dwelling on it. Why couldn't those sacrifices cleanse the conscience of those who brought them? Because they were symbols.
1: Yep. They meant nothing.
0: That's right. Um, and God's like, you know, at times is like, your sacrifices stink mm. because you don't mean it. Mm. The only thing that is actually relevant is that you mean it. mm mm-hmm. Um, Continue on there in verse 10.
1: In verse 10, the Bible says, For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system
0: could be established. Okay, this was a great system because it pointed forward to what Jesus would do, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the real thing. Jesus was the real thing. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to have the big one. Here it comes. Here we go. All right.
1: For 500 points. (laughs) I tried to do like an epic voice and then I started coughing. Okay. Okay. For 500 points. Who anointed Solomon king of Israel? I actually have a friend who's named this. So it's an interesting name. And... My friend is named this. So, 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And our prize this morning is the book, Eating for Life, by Clemency Mitchell. An incredible, mouth-watering, amazing cookbook full of incredible, amazing mouth-watering recipes that are all healthy and plant-based and incredible. And you can win it completely for free if you can answer the question. Who anointed kings? Uh, who anointed Solomon as the king of Israel? 669.
0: one zero six four six six nine. All right, let's get into our Bible study right now. Uh, we were in verse ten. Let's read verse eleven. We've been reading up until verse ten. Has been all about, you know, Paul has basically been reviewing the earthly sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Now he starts to get into what the earthly sanctuary symbolizes, and starts to talk about Jesus. And in my translation, verse 11 begins with the word but. Mine is so. Okay. Which which both of them are kind of uh, contrast
1: mm-hmm.
0: kind of words. Okay, so, in other words, because of this, mm-hmm. or but in contrast to this. Mm-hmm. So we have the earthly sanctuary. In contrast to the earthly sanctuary, we're now going to talk about the heavenly one. All right, go for it in verse 11. So Christ has
1: now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the great, that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world.
0: Okay, let's stop there for a moment. G- g- glad to see that uh, both of our translations got this one correct. Mm-hmm. The uh, the greater tabernacle, the perfect tabernacle not made with hands in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is tahagia. huh Oh, the sanctuary. The no. sanctuary. Yeah, the sanctuary. Yep. Okay. It's not specifying any part of it. It's just the sanctuary. Jesus has entered into the sanctuary in heaven. Mm. All right. And verse
1: 12. Uh, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once and for all and secured our redemption forever.
0: All right. And uh, Rafi's text through to say, in 1844, Jesus entered the most holy place and judgment of the dead began. And now the living are being judged till the close of probation. Are we saying that the dead were in judgment, in judgment limbo until mm. 1844? Good question. Mm. Good question. All right. Uh, let's continue on here because the Bible is very clear that, uh, of course, the judgment did begin in 1844 before the return of Christ but long after Jesus ascended into heaven. Mm. And that's what's that's what's borne out all the way through Hebrews chapter 9. mm uh
1: do we read verse twelve? Uh yeah, let's read verse we've read no, verse twelve, comment on
0: this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he mm. entered once into the sanctuary, mm. having attained eternal redemption for us. Mm. We commented on how that you know by putting the word sanctuary in there, it includes the entire plan of salvation, mm-hmm. not just the forgiveness of sins, but also the cleansing of sins. Mm. Okay, verse thirteen. Under the old system,
1: the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience... From sinful deeds, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the uh, the eternal Spirit, Christ offered Himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why He is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised Mm. them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first covenant.
0: Okay, your translation is so different from mine, I have no idea where you got up to. <laughs> I got up to verse 16. Like, So I read verse 15. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, we'll go through it from mine and, the, and, and, and we will uh, look at it as we go. I think mine's got a lot less words in it.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: How much more shall the blood of Christ... Mm. who through the eternal spirit offered himself mm. without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Okay, this is interesting because this is, you know, we've got to remember that this is written to the Hebrew people. Mm. And so Paul brings up this concept of dead works. He brought brings up the, the, the concept of, uh, of faith and works when speaking to, you know, to the Romans and the mm. Corinthians and other people like this. But a lot of those were uh, converts from paganism. Mm. And works to them was a little bit different, but also a little bit similar to works for the Jews. You know, it mm. was all works based religion. But here, he knows that their religion, the Jewish religion, is salvation by works. Mm. And he's pointing out no, it's not salvation by works, it's salvation by the blood of Jesus. Can you go to heaven? Can you go into the sanctuary in heaven? Mm. Can you take blood into the sanctuary in heaven? Is there any of this that you can do? Mm. You can't do any of it. You can't bring a sacrifice of a lamb and take a lamb to heaven. It's like, well, I have done that. You know, I have done that. No, you can't. Because you can't go to heaven and the blood of a lamb is not going to be good enough in heaven. Mm. Only Jesus can go to heaven, and only Jesus, and because He's the only one who can go there, and because He has His own blood, He can do it on your behalf. This is His whole point right here, is that Jesus is saving us. Hmm. He's doing what we cannot do, what's impossible for us. And if we're ever tempted to think that we can save ourselves, we need to remember these passages here and ask ourselves the simple question Can I go to heaven? Can I take blood to heaven? Even if I did take my own blood. Would it be good enough? No. Nope. Because my blood is sinful blood. Mm. It's blemished. Mm. Sacrifice could never have a blemish.
1: Mm.
0: Hint, hint for those. Yeah, yeah, for the the 100-point quiz. Okay. Where are we up to? That was verse 14, right? 15. Now we're up to verse 16. Uh, No, that was verse 14. Well, well, this cause, he is ah. the mediator of the New Testament, the mm. New Covenant. That by means of death for the redemption of the transgression, that those were under the first covenant, that which are called might receive the promise of internal inheritance. Yours has a lot more words? Yeah. It's but that probably, says the probably, same probably thing. Probably says it a little bit better.
1: It says the same thing. I, like. Um, Yeah, essentially, yeah. That is why he is uh, the one who mediates a new covenant between God and his people, so that all who are called can receive the the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under the first
0: covenant. That's a lot more words. Yeah. But it's well put. It makes sense, yeah. The mediator of the new covenant. Mm. Okay, so the old covenant was sealed with the blood of a bull. Mm Mm-hmm. The new covenant is sealed with the blood of Jesus. Uh-huh. And we've looked at the contrast between these covenants. We actually made a lot more progress here this morning than what I thought we were. Wow. We're going to make the end of the chapter. Oh, we, st- we still have like 12 verses left. We've got two days left. Yeah. Oh, is, love is, is, Let's go. This, this is epic. Mm-hmm. Okay, but uh, we find here that the, the first covenant was made with the blood of the bull. And, and the key thought here is the first covenant can't save you. mhm. The old covenant can't save you. It's impossible to save you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you th- sort of think then, well, how were, you know, what was going on back then? How were people saved who were under the old covenant? The answer is that the new covenant existed back then. Mm. And when you understand that the new covenant predates the old covenant, that's hard for us to wrap our minds around unless you have a Hebrew mindset where something becomes reality once it's sealed your house is yours once you pay off the mortgage not when you uh, put down the deposit and take out the loan then you understand why the new covenant which was sealed by the blood of jesus is the new covenant you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different we're about to have question of the
1: day. Before we do, answers to the quiz questions. All right. For one hundred points, the answer was zero. There are zero blemishes or spots on a perfect sacrifice. Two hundred points. The answer was the chariot of fire. For three hundred points, Samaria. Four hundred points, blindness, and five hundred points, Zadok. But right now, it is time for question
0: of the day.
1: All right, Lyle. Our question of the day today is: Were the daughters of Shiloh Israelites? Shouldn't this be breaking the vow of all Israelites not to give the Benjamites wives, or was kidnapping them considered a different situation, since the tabernacle was at Shiloh? Karen, this is from Karen. So
0: Karen. Hey, Karen, well done. You've made it to the end of the Book of Judges. Um, this is a story that you'll find in Judges chapter twenty-one. Uh, it actually covers the last few chapters of Judges. Pretty wild story that takes place there, and uh, uh, of course. When uh, to to summarise what's taking place. So basically, this goes back to the story of a Levite uh, who was travelling through Benjamin. Uh, his partner was gang raped to death. Um, as, you know, as they were passing through and he spread the news to the whole of the nation of Israel. And Israel basically came and said, we'll hand over the perpetrators and we'll execute them. And the Benjamites said, no, we won't hand over the perpetrators. And so they said, well, now you are all complicit in what they have done. And so there was civil war broke out and the whole of Israel fought against the Benjamites. The Benjamites fought pretty hard, but they cut a long story short, they didn't make it in the end. And you had around about 600 Young Benjamite men that were the only survivors of the tribe of Benjamin, and they fled out into the wilderness, into the rock Rimon. We don't know exactly where that is. Possibly Masada, somewhere like that, uh, where they formed a fortress. They lived there for about four months, and the whole of Israel started to feel bad because, like, well, we've wiped out an entire tribe. You know, we used to be the 12 tribes of Israel, and now we're the 11. And they're like, well, you know, there's 600 guys down there that are left of the tribe of Benjamin. But what had happened at the beginning of the war is that they had imposed sanctions against the Benjamites, You know, as you do when you're going to have a war. And one of those sanctions was that we will never let one of our daughters, and they made a vow, marry a Benjamite ever, under any circumstances. And so they now, well, what are we going to do? We can't have the Benjamites marrying pagans and people of other nations. That wouldn't be right. And we can't give them our daughters without breaking our oath. So how are they going to survive? They're just going to get old as single old men and die and the entire tribe will will, uh, will disappear. And so then they asked themselves the question, okay, was there anyone in the nation of Israel that didn't help in the war? And they found that, well, Jabesh Gilead had done absolutely nothing when the call to arms came out. They were like, no, we won't be a part of it. like, well, they're complicit in the sin of the Benjamites as well. So they went down there and killed all the men of Jabesh Gilead and they found 400 virgins down there, and they're like, okay, we've got 400 wives here. Um, nobody in Jabesh Gilead made this vow, so therefore they're not breaking a vow, and they're all dead anyway. Uh, so we can give these to the Benjamites, these young women to the Benjamites. Of course, this was in an era where arranged marriages were very much a thing. not That's um, you know, the right way of doing things. This is, the Bible's not recording this as being you know, the right thing to do. It's just recording history here. And so that sort of solved the problem to some extent, but you've still got another 200 or so Benjamites down there that don't have a wife. And so they send some people out to these Benjamite guys and they say, okay, we're going to have a festival down at Shiloh where the sanctuary is and the young ladies are going to be dancing. Uh, They'll be dancing out in the fields and the lanes and everywhere. So what we want you to do is to set an ambush and kidnap yourself a wife. And so they did. And, of course, when the fathers of those girls complained, and like, you know, these Benjamites, they can't have these women for their wives because we made a vow. They're like, you haven't broken your vow because you vowed not to give your daughter to a Benjamite. You haven't given your daughter, the key word being give. You haven't given your daughter to a Benjamite. They have been kidnapped. And so your vow is not broken, and we have preserved uh, the tribe of Benjamin here In Israel. Okay, what do we learn from this story? We learn from this story that pretty much everyone on every side does bad things. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is no good outcomes in this story. There is no righteous side in this story. People are always looking for the righteous side. There is a slightly more righteous side, maybe. But it's a story of what happens when people turn away from God and, and turn away from the service of God. And this is what Israel had done at this particular time. And it's one of, those, one of those illustrations, one of those points that points out why Israel was oppressed by other nations during the time of the judgments, Judges from time to time. Don't forget as you go through this day to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ.